Hi, Barry Lee with 92.5 Wink FM, and excited to be hosting this second season of the City of Winchester's podcast, The Rouse Review. We do this twice each month on the second and fourth Thursday, exploring city services, programs, events, and discussing information that you need to know. Up first is the Council Bluff. That's a bottom-line, upfront recap of the August 25th, 2020 Council meetings. At the regular meeting, Council added an item to the published agenda and made a motion to appoint Daniel Hoffman of Gainesville, Florida, as Winchester's new city manager. Mr. Hoffman is currently the assistant city manager for the city of Gainesville, a position that he's held since July 2017. His first day of service with the city will be September the 26th, and we hope the community will join us in welcoming him to our beautiful and friendly city. Council adopted an ordinance appropriating additional funds for fiscal year 2021 for COVID-19-related expenses as allowed by the city's CARES Act funding. $600,000 of the funds will be appropriated to the Economic Development Authority for business grants. $220,000 of the funds will be used to reimburse the authority for the forgivable loans they issued at the beginning of the pandemic. $300,000 $300,000 will be used for nonprofit grants, and the remaining balance of $1.23 million will be allocated to reimburse the city for pandemic-related costs as allowed by the CARES Act. Executive Director of the Winchester Frederick County Convention and Visitors Bureau, Justin Kearns, provided an overview of tourism activities and impacts during the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as the upcoming tourism promotional campaign. At the work session, council discussed changes to an agreement between the city and Shenandoah University for the improvement of four ball fields in Jim Barnett Park. Since early March, COVID-19 has negatively impacted the community as well as Shenandoah University. As a result, the university wishes to revise the project schedule to break the project into phases. First, they will complete improvements on Bodie Grimm and Hinkle Harris this year in preparation for John Hanley High School's 2021 baseball and soccer softball seasons. The improvements to Bridgeforth and Rotary Fields would be completed in Phase 2 and delayed to a later date next year. During the interim period, Bridgeforth and Rotary would remain with Parks and Recreation for management, maintenance, scheduling, and rental. This item was for Council's discussion, so no action was taken. Upon Council's request and following some recent complaints from residents, Public Services Director Perry Eisenach provided updated information regarding the city's use of asphalt to make sidewalk repairs. In January 2019, City Council approved a resolution authorizing the temporary repairs of sidewalks throughout the city utilizing two methods, grinding down the concrete whenever possible to eliminate tripping hazards and placing asphalt on top of the sidewalk to eliminate tripping hazards and make the sidewalks passable. The asphalt is used only where grinding the concrete is not feasible. Once the asphalt is placed, it is painted either gray or brick red depending on the location. Since Council's approval, approximately 36 miles of sidewalks have been repaired utilizing these methods, which is roughly 65% of the sidewalks that needed repairs. Although these repairs are not ideal, they are temporary and the only feasible alternative available until funds are available to replace the sidewalks with concrete or bricks. Staff is also currently working on an update to the Sidewalk Master Plan that will include a proposed aggressive program of continued sidewalk replacements for Council's consideration in early 2021. Council instructed staff to continue the project as originally approved. 
Wireless phone providers are authorized to install small cell facilities within the public right-of-way and on private property under certain conditions by the Code of Virginia and other federal regulations. In February 2020, City Council approved an ordinance that amended the city's zoning and subdivision ordinance that reflected the state and federal requirements for small cell installations on private property. The proposed ordinance presented at the August 25th Council meeting would modify Chapter 26 of the City Code so it's consistent with the Code of Virginia and federal regulations. The majority of small cell installations in the public right-of-way and other jurisdictions are on existing utility or light poles. Due to public safety concerns, the Public Services Department will not allow small cell installations on the city's traffic signal poles. A fee for the city's small cell permit application process was also proposed by staff. Council forwarded the proposed ordinance to the September 8, 2020 regular meeting for first reading. For more information on these topics and to view the agenda packet or watch the meeting video, visit the City of Winchester website and click Council Meeting Agendas under the Government tab. So did you know that August is National Water Quality Awareness Month? It's a great time to focus on something we all take for granted sometimes, water. Freshwater lakes and rivers provide recreational activities like boating, swimming, canoeing, tubing, and more. These freshwater resources are important to wildlife and are the source for the drinking water we need to survive. These bodies of water must be protected to ensure that an adequate supply of water is available for all creatures that rely on them. Here to talk about the city's water and protection services is water treatment plant manager Farrell Owens and city engineer Kelly Henshaw. And we'll start this segment with Farrell and the city's drinking water. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Now, for those who aren't aware, tell us about the city's source for drinking water. We draw our water from the uh, North Fork of the Shenandoah River. We average around 6 million gallons of water each day, and we serve around 28,000 customers. I'm sure this is a fairly technical process, but uh, can you give us a layman's overview of the purification process? What has to happen before the water is sent to the city's customers? Well, the Percy D. Miller Water Treatment Plant, it's a conventional facility. We remove the organic material in the water with a process called coagulation by adding a positively charged chemical, polyaluminum chloride, which attracts to the negatively charged organic matter. As we all learned in grade school, opposites attract. We create what we call flock. In layman's terms, we make small particles into large particles and allow them to sink to the bottom in our settling basins. After that, the water goes through multimedia filters, which remove smaller particles that did not settle out. There are other chemicals added for other reasons. The final part of the process is adding a disinfectant or chlorine to destroy any possible remaining organic bacteria that made it through the filters. Wow, I guessed it. The process is very technical and scientific. So after all that, it has to be safe to drink. So how do we know that for sure? Well, the EPA and Department of Health set out certain standards, and we meet those standards every day, all day. We do 24-hour-a-day monitoring. The city has done a very good job purchasing the needed inline automatic monitoring. All inline equipment has set points to alarm staff if something isn't in the set parameter. We grab samples every three hours to test different areas of the process with benchtop machines. This is also completed to assure that our inline units are working correctly. 
We also collect samples from the distribution system in town and run bacteriological tests testing for E. coli coliform bacteria. Our staff is trained in every area of the facility. Give us your top three things that people should do to help protect the Shenandoah River and their drinking water supply. I'd say number one, be aware of what you dump on the ground. You know, does your vehicle leak any fluids? Any fluid on the ground on the ground could possibly make its way to the river. Number two, if you use a river for recreation, always bring more trash back than you brought. And treat the streams and rivers like your life depends on it. Thank you, Farrell. Anything else you'd like to add before we let you go? I ask this often. What would you give up for water? Your cell phone, your car, your house? The point is, if you don't have water, you won't survive. Not to place the operators at the water plant on a pedestal, just to hopefully bring awareness to the importance of protecting this valuable resource. Great point. Thank you for joining us today. And oh, wait, Farrell, I heard through the grapevine that you had a superhero named after you. I mean, the city service league includes Michael Recycle, the snowman, and what's your superhero name? Farrell Fawcett. <laughs> Amy? Roll the promo, please. I'm dying to hear the story of Farrell Fawcett. The evil turbidity monster threatens the water supply in Winchester. Who will be there to defeat him? It's Farrell Fawcett. No, not Farrell Fawcett. I said Farrell. Y- you know, Farrell. Farrell Fawcett. Uh, yes, anyway. Dirt, leaves, gravel, it all will be removed, and millions and billions of gallons of clean water will once again be delivered to the citizens of Winchester, all thanks to Farrell Fawcett. (laughs) That is awesome. Well, Farrell, I'll sleep soundly tonight knowing that you're out there and keeping the turbidity monster under control. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. Thank you, Barry. All righty. Next, we welcome Kelly Henshaw, city engineer, to the show. Welcome back, Kelly. Thank you for having me. Let's talk about stormwater. Farrell explained how we get our drinking water from the Shenandoah River, which is treated before it's provided to city residents. Does the rainwater that enters the storm drains get treated too? Uh, Unfortunately not. Stormwater runoff goes directly to our local waterways, right? From the storm drains into the waterways without being treated. So the oil from vehicles, litter, and more, it all goes straight into our area's natural bodies of water after it enters the storm drain. That can't be good. It's not. Uh, Any pollutants that are in the stormwater can lead to a wide range of issues, including things like algae blooms, fish kills, um, increased water temperature, which obviously isn't good for the animals that live in those waters. Uh, This is one of the reasons there's been such a focus on efforts to clean up our waterways, including the Chesapeake Bay in recent years. These effects were harmful to the fishing and seafood industry, um, as well as the health of our waterways in general. What about pet waste? Some people might think that it acts as a fertilizer and that it's not harmful. Is it okay if dog waste enters the storm drains after a big rain? Absolutely not. Uh, We really encourage people to pick up after their pets. Pet waste carries harmful E. coli bacteria, which makes the water unsafe for humans and animals. So is there anything the city can do to help keep debris and litter from entering the stormwater system? So the city runs its own stormwater program, which requires um, us to maintain the system, as well as people that are doing development in the city 
to treat runoff during construction and after construction. Um, we also operate a street sweeping program as part of our permit, and we uh, work with citizens on their issues and complaints they might have about stormwater. All right, last question, and it's the same one I asked Farrell. What are the top three things that people should do to help protect our area's natural waterways? I would say, number one, make sure that only rain is going in the storm drain. Please don't put anything trash or oil or anything down there. Make sure you pick up after your pets. We don't like to do it, but um, it is a little step that makes a big impact. And then if you see any illegal dumping, please report it to us. You can just call either the city stormwater hotline or our non-emergency police number. Thank you, Kelly, for taking the time to join us on the show. And this was great information that we all need to know, as water is one of those things that we just can't live without. Is there anything else you'd like to cover before we let you go? I would just say our watersheds are community asset. They're there for everyone to enjoy. So please help us keep them clean. All right. Thanks again for all you do. Stay safe. Thank you. Now it's time for the Now You Know segment, where we talk about interesting city of Winchester facts that you may not be aware of or important information you need to know. This week's segment focuses on used or wastewater and protecting the source of our drinking water. As Kelly mentioned, storm drains flow directly into our natural waterways, and we need to be careful about what goes into those drains to protect our water supply and natural environment. The water your household or business uses is transported to the wastewater treatment plant by the sanitary sewer system. There, it's treated and discharged back into the environment. Toxic materials placed into either system may cause mortality issues for the streams and waterways and the biological treatment processes at the wastewater treatment plant. So, here's a list of the things you should never put down any sanitary sewer or storm drain. First, is anything that swells when it gets wet. Things like pasta, rice, paper towels, and cotton balls, as they can clog drains and cause backups. Coffee grounds are one of the worst offenders for causing drain blockages. Please toss these in your trash can or your compost bin instead. Cooking oils, salad dressings and mayonnaise, cooking fat and food fats, including nut butters, should not be discarded down drains. These may be a little more obvious, but motor oil and grease should never be discarded down any drain, especially storm drains. As Kelly mentioned earlier, animal feces do not belong in our drains as they carry harmful bacteria and parasites. And please note that flushable cat litter should not be discarded down drains either. Flushable wipes contain grease and will not disintegrate like toilet paper. These wipes are the main cause of damage to the wastewater treatment plant. Blockages in the sanitary sewer system can cause raw sewage to overflow into the environment or worse, back up into homes and finished basements. The treatment plant can remove large amounts of these wipes, which have to be disposed of into the sanitary landfill for a cost to the taxpayer. Wipes that are able to bypass screening can clog important pumps necessary for the treatment process, which then have to be manually dismantled and cleaned. Cleaning solutions, paints, medicines, and solvents are harmful chemicals to our natural environment. Please dispose of them properly and not down any household or storm drain. And finally, bones, fruit pits, or rinds and flour will all clog drains, so please discard them in your trash bin and not down the drain or the toilet. Well, if you didn't know before, now you know. And up next is the Winchester 101 segment with Tim Y, the History Guy. Take it away, Tim. 
Hey, this is Tim Y, the History Guy, bringing you another episode of Winchester 101. This time, we take a look at European settlement here in the lower Shenandoah Valley before the founding of Winchester by Colonel James Wood. We know that a number of European settlers who had not migrated west over the Blue Ridge Mountains from the coastal areas of Virginia Colony were present in the lower Shenandoah Valley before English Colonel James Wood laid out the original 30 lots in Winchester, then known as Fredericktown. These brave families were the first ones to permanently establish homes and farms in what previously had been tribal hunting grounds for the Native Americans, mostly belonging to the Shawnee Nation under the leadership of Chief Cornstalk here in the valley. Virginia Colonial Governor William Gooch was supportive of allowing settlers from colonies other than Virginia to settle the valley and create a buffer against the roaming Native Americans. This included Abraham Hollingsworth and his family, who may have arrived as early as 1729. They were Quakers who had fled religious persecution in Britain, first seeking refuge in the Pennsylvania colony, and then migrating south along the Great Wagon Road, now U.S. Route 11 in Winchester area, from Philadelphia down to the Shenandoah Valley. Hollingsworth first purchased 582 acres from fellow Quaker Alexander Ross, who had secured a patent for upwards of 100,000 acres of land from Governor Gooch. Other settlers were of Scots-Irish and German descent. Joost Height was a German settler who migrated south from the Pennsylvania colony with his family and 10 other families around 1732. Height settled further south of Hollingsworth, up the valley in Old Frederick County. Height was the one who most notably contested Lord Fairfax's claim of ownership to 5 million acres as part of the proprietary that was granted to his ancestors from King Charles II. Hollingsworth opted to pay Lord Fairfax rather than contest the claim in court. Other early families included the Isaac Parkins family. They were Quakers who settled to a little west of Abraham Hollingsworth, upstream along what is now known as Abrams Creek, named for Abraham Hollingsworth. The Parkins family constructed a large limestone home known as Willow Lawn, which stood in behind where today the Ford dealership is located along the west side of Valley Avenue, just south of present-day West Jubilee Drive. The Parkins family established a number of mills along Abrams Creek, and the area became known as Milltown. While the old limestone home known today as Abrams Delight gets its name from Abraham Hollingsworth, it was never owned by Abraham. Instead, his son Isaac Hollingsworth had the first part of it constructed in 1754, near where his father's home would have originally been located. The home was added onto in later years. Isaac and Rachel Hollingsworth's grandson, David, married Isaac and Mary Parkins' granddaughter, Eleanor. This marriage would lead to significant expansion of the mills along Abrams Creek, now under the control of one fairly wealthy Quaker family. Thus, there was considerable industrial development in the area, now comprising the geographical center of the present-day city of Winchester along Abrams Creek. This would predate industrial development, such as the bark mills and tanneries, in and around Old Town Winchester, up along Town Run, where James Wood had laid out the original town lots. 
Eventually, David and Eleanor left the Society of Friends, that is, the Quaker faith, to become members of the local Kent Street Presbyterian Church. The Civil War brought financial stress to the Hollingsworth children, three of whom, as adults, still resided at Abram's Delight until their deaths, the last one being Annie, who died in 1930. Between 1930 and 1943, the Abrams Delight home fell into disrepair and was broken into many times. The city purchased the property in 1943 and worked closely with the Winchester Frederick County Historical Society to undertake preservation and restoration of the home. It functions as a publicly owned house museum operated by the Historical Society. The Hollingsworth Mill Building beside it also contains museum exhibits in addition to the administrative offices for the Historical Society on the upper level. Well, that's it for me, Tim Y., the History Guy, until the next episode of Winchester 101. Thanks, Tim. Last but not least, here are several announcements to keep you informed. The city is expecting to reopen all government buildings on September the 8th. Face coverings and social distancing will be required. Be on the lookout for more details coming soon, but we encourage you to skip the trip and use the city's many online services or contact staff by phone or email. Visit winchestervae.gov for more information. It's back to school time. City and county schools will both resume on September the 8th. Please remember to obey all bus safety laws, slow down, and watch for increased pedestrian traffic in and around the roadways. The city will observe the Labor Day holiday on September the 7th, and all administrative offices will be closed. Courts at the Joint Judicial Center and the Jim Barnett Park Rec Center will also be closed. Wintran routes are canceled on Monday, September 7th, and Monday's recycling collection is moved to Wednesday, September 9th. Yard waste collection is canceled. Winchester Parks and Recreation will be offering several fall programs starting in September, but registration is going on now. Register by August 31st for the Youth Flag Football Leagues, Ultimate Frisbee League for ages 16 and up, or the Adult Co-Ed Kickball League. Call 540-662-4946 or visit winchestervagovernor slash parks to register. The rec center open gym and drop-in basketball programs will also resume the week of September 8th. The Jim Barnett Park outdoor pool will close for the 2020 season on September 7th and the indoor pool will reopen on September 8th with limited capacity for lap swim, general swim, and fitness classes. Check the park's website for the schedule and more details. Well, that's it for this week's Rouse Review Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Barry Lee with 92.5 Wink FM. We'll be back on the second Thursday in September at 5 p.m. So long for now. Stay safe.